2: Now, I know I'm oversimplifying that and I don't want to put all of the secular worldview into that one little box. But we know one thing that isn't a secular worldview is this. None of it, listen, none of that character has the end purpose of bringing glory and honor to the Lord and that's why we do it. Nor does it have the front end purpose, which is you need to have Christ in you, the hope of glory to have his character out through you and the power to live it. And so whatever the best of it is, it's still is woefully lacking Christ. And so now you have a biblical worldview of character, and we know that at the biblical worldview, it's Christocentric. That means Christ is at the center of it. That's why we, the more we know Christ through the word accurately, the more we know true character, we're going to know Christ, so it becomes Christocentric. And now we can have that understanding of what biblical character is all about. So it's important for us to remember that. Let's go to number two, another reason why character qualities are important, and that is because trials and afflictions come into our lives and need an explanation. I'm sure that all of us have gone through some form of a trial or affliction, and sometimes we can understand where it might have come from, but oftentimes we don't always know where it comes from. But we know that trials will produce character in our life, as well as reveal character, by the way. You might want to jot that down. Trials will produce character. It can. God allows us to go through trials, so we'll go deeper into his word that we'll seek his face, ask him for help, be able to see if there's something in this trial that came into my life because of somewhere where I misstep or I misspoke and I caused something to happen and now the trial is there, so now I'm learning. It becomes a teachable moment trial to me or an affliction. So now I can look at it and I can blame others. I can try to deny it. I can try to use the world's view of how to approach that trial or deny God or, or get angry at God. I can do anything that I want or I can choose to embrace that trial as more precious than gold as it strengthens my faith. And so it builds character within me. So it's really trials can produce character in my life. So I don't know you what trial you're facing right now. Or if some of you, things are going so well and maybe you're going to face a trial the very next time you get into your automobile, the next email you receive, or the next visit to the doctor. But when you have it, know that that trial that you have has been permitted, maybe prescribed, by God for you, and it can produce character in your life if you choose. And my heartfelt prayer, my passion for all of us, is that God would take these messages and change us and bring us to our next level from glory to glory in our life. In this area of trials. I pray that it would be the case for us. Then it says the hope from character can give us strength. This morning you had a passage of scripture read to you. If you will, I have it written down there again for you. Would you look at it very carefully? It says, but we also glory or rejoice in tribulations. And I, I pray that we can come to that point of faith, that we can say, Lord, no matter how bad it gets, though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. I came out of my mother's womb naked and I'll still go to my grave essentially naked. It doesn't matter. I will still trust in you. So I will glory in my tribulations. But now the question is, how can I do that? I'm struggling with tribulations. How can I rejoice in those tribulations? The rest of the verse will begin to open up that as an answer. Knowing that, the tribulation produces perseverance or stick to Let me ask you a question. How many of you have experienced a trial in your life that that trial came in and no matter how much you prayed or wished it away or wished you could kind of snap your finger or click your heels like Dorothy, that trial did not go away? Now you have to raise your hand. Most severe trials don't go away. They usually last a long time and sometimes leave us with scars for a long time. And scars don't necessarily are bad. If I had surgery, I have a scar, that is something that I'm bad. If I do something in my body and I abuse it and I have a scar because of it, that's a bad scar. Now let me come back to this thought. Stay with me on it. So when I go through this particular trial, what God is doing is he's going to show me that no matter how bad this trial is, I will get out of that trial and I will be a better person. Hopefully, if not, at least a different person. I'm going to last through this trial. I really made it. All of us have had trials. Don't think your pastor hasn't had them. We've had them here. We've had them on the mainland. We've had them in marriage. We've had them with kids. We've had them with finances. Carol's had it with health. We've, we've been tapped like you have been. And yeah, we'd like to have each one of them be gone. But I know this, as I look back over some of the trials that we went through that looked like our deepest waters, that we won't get through it, I promise you that we're still alive today. We're still rejoicing today. I can still stand up with passion and integrity, preach that there is a God, the Word of God has the answer, and don't give up because it's not over yet. And that's the perseverance that I don't have. I'm not some strong guy. I'm not some guy with some great constitution. I'm not. I'm a weak person. I'm a weak man. But whatever strength and perseverance I have is because the trials, I've seen that, hey, it's okay. We made it through that trial. If he took care of us then, he can take care of us now. And that brings us perseverance. But it doesn't stop at perseverance. It also says character is next. So that perseverance is now changing me. And character gives me hope, something to look forward to. And so I'm grateful for that. And of course, now hope does not disappoint. No, it doesn't, because the love of God has been poured apart, poured out in our hearts by the Spirit who's been given to us. Let's go to number three. Why are character qualities important? Because character is needed for victorious Christian living. In order for us to have a victorious Christian life, it's not just I go to a mountain somewhere and I spend a week in solitude Now, it's not wrong to do that. I encourage our staff to spend one day a month to get away from everybody. Don't go shopping. Don't play play with the family. Don't, you know, you go alone anywhere on the islands, a beautiful island, your place. Get alone. Bring a Bible. Bring a journal. Maybe bring a hymn book and just be alone with God. Now, that's important to do. But that alone itself is not just character. It's what we're going to do from those times that we've really gained from God that produces that. And that's why I say character is needed for victorious Christian living. Look at the verse down there. Most conflicts and failures can be traced back to character deficiency. Only by pride comes contention. Now let's just pause for a moment and think about the last time you've had an argument with your mate, your parents, your kids, your brothers, your sister, someone at work, an extended family member. Could you remember that time that you got a little... Only by pride. This last week, I was asked to do a wedding for a Christian couple. We had to do it at a place called Secret Beach. You want to say we're a Secret Beach? If I told you, it wouldn't be secret anymore. But anyway, Secret Beach is on the, near Coolina. They have to walk down this little path, and there's a nice little lagoon there. And had to do all the stuff we had to do properly with all those that were involved. And I think some of you know all that stuff. I don't get too much in detail. But when I arrived there, there's, there's only a parking lot there that'll hold about eight cars. And I got there on Friday thinking, well, this is the waiting time. It's daytime. Everybody's at the mall. The, sh- the parking lot will be empty. They were lined up to get in there. So we waited our turn. Different ones had come out. Then we got a parking place. Now we're waiting. And I'm waiting. I'm thinking, okay, I hope I can get this in here because I've got to get down on the beach. They're all waiting. And so now Carol says, I think I see backup lights and someone's going to back out. I said, oh, that is so cool. We're going to get the next place. Well, while we're waiting, I see a car come zipping right behind me, pulls up in front of me, backs into, right across from that parking place, backs into a handicap zone. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they're handicapped. But they weren't handicapped. I didn't know it at the time, but they were sitting in their car then. And something okay this guy's now going to back out, so he backs out and of course he backs that way comes toward me and while I'm waiting for him to get out of the way, this other person zips right across from the handicap right into that parking place I was being tested I can't say that was a trial or affliction, but it was sure starting to percolate up to one and so I pulled up, and of course my wife the fourth person of the Trinity says, now remember your testimony your pastor <laughs> you know i going to be cool now, you know, remember when people are watching, you know, <laughs> what are they going to do, shoot them, you know, <laughs> so uh, I go over there and I say, hi, and they said, we waiting for this place, I said, yeah, I, I have a wedding back there, but uh, maybe we can work something out, you know, and so she very kindly said, all right, I can go find another place, that's okay, so she just, and I just got right in there, I have to tell you though, that there could have been a bit of contention, and I was starting to feel contentious inside of me, and it boiled down to pride, That was my place. I got here early. I patiently waited. In fact, I was so good, God had to honor me with that place. So now it's a thing with God and me and this person and timing and pressure and goals and sets. I go through the same things that you do. And so when I have character in my life, it allows me then to have a victorious Christian life. When I let character slide My pride takes over and maybe one feeds the other. It could be one vicious circle. I lose my victory in Christ. Well, let me go through these very quickly here and end. What can having character do for you and your family? What can it actually do? Number one, it can prevent and cure rebellion. It can prevent or even cure rebellion. In fact, it says an evil man seeks only rebellion. And therefore, a cruel messenger will be sent against him. So it's very much so that you could be evil in your heart or lacking the character. Either you don't know character, it hasn't been taught to you, or you have it all out there, but you have not chased after wisdom and character. And to know that truth to apply it to your life, and now you've got evilness in your life, and there'll be a cruel messenger that'll be sent against you. Number two, why is it important? What can it happen? It'll provide the fiber of successful employment. Successful employment. It's interesting, they did a survey in the business and professional community, and they were doing it with the employees to find out what traits do you especially need and want in your upline supervisor or boss. And I was wondering if it was going to be that that person would treat them kindly, if that person would communicate more often with them, you know, what would it be? And do you know that the survey said the highest percentage was what they wanted in their boss was only one thing, and that was integrity. And maybe out of that will flow the rest of the streams of character. I don't know, but I do know that employment can be affected by whether or not we have character. And I might even throw this out at you as well, that when you have problems on your job, I don't know the problems are so much technological, or how much resources you have to do your job. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if it's not a relational breakdown through a character breakdown. and I'll show you what I mean in just a moment. Number three: it produces the fruit for healthy relationships. Often when couples come in to see me, not every couple, but when couples come in to see me, they will generally say, we need to see you, Pastor, because we're having a communication breakdown. Now, some actually say it, communication breakdown. Others say, we can't communicate, we're arguing all the time, blah, 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 blah. But basically, they're not able to communicate like they once did. And when you have a communication breakdown, generally it's because you have lost respect for the other person. You don't respect them as much as you have. You've lost respect for them because you don't trust them. The reason you don't trust them is because they have not acted or spoken in a trustworthy manner. And so after you have a lot of that and you try to cover it up with a lot of good, you know, you don't deal with it biblically, you have a breakdown in relationships, but it still goes back to a character flaw. You were not trustworthy. And so what we're going to do in the weeks to come is unpack different character traits for us to begin to look at and let the Spirit of God take the Word of God to the child of God and see if there's a change that we need to make For the glory of God. All right, number four. It promotes stability during times of crisis and testings. When you go through times of crisis and testing, it can produce stability. When you have character, when you go through a crisis, the first thing you realize is that the Lord is on the throne. He can do anything that he wants. And all things do work together for good to those that love the Lord, called according to his purpose. And so therefore, I'm going to trust. So I have the character of trust. I'm going to be benevolent throughout this crisis that I have. I'm going to look for people who have a greater need during this crisis. Our our building caught on fire, so we're going to go try to help those that have less than we have. So all of a sudden, our character takes over, and now we become so Christ-like for others, which now transitions to number five. What does it do for us? It presents a powerful testimony when sharing Christ with others. You've all heard this testimony of how Carol invited me to a meeting where I trusted Christ as my Savior. But I need you to know a little bit more behind that meeting. When Carol was inviting me out, she was not flirtatious. When she saw me, it wasn't like, oh, Stan, would you like to come with me to a special night? We'll study the Bible, but would you like to come with me? There was no flirtatious. I'm, I'm exaggerating. I, I don't even know how to believe being flirtatious, you know. Um, but it wasn't any of that. When she picked me up, she was very careful that there would be no mixed signals, so she placed another lady next to her in the front seat and put me in the back seat. She had tremendous character, so I would, she knew what a guy would be thinking. Now, don't go too far with that, all right? But she would want to protect that, and she's protecting so that when she speaks Christ, I would not think that she's kind of wetting this whole Christ thing, this whole salvation thing in the midst of an earthy thing going on, you know? And then when we got there, I didn't see her on her way there. I didn't hear her in the front seat and me in the back seat dissing on her mom and dad, cutting down other kids, listening to kind of music that kind of didn't coincide with biblical Christianity, telling an off-color joke, teasing, joking, lying, cursing. I didn't hear any of that. I didn't see her speed, cut through traffic, slam her hand on the horn. I didn't see any of that. I just saw a girl who was driving and full of joy. She had character. Pulled in the parking lot. She wasn't upset that she couldn't find a parking place. She said, we'll find one. The place was jammed. Okay, we'll know where that. There'll be one here for us. And she looks and she finds it. She still does. We can go to a packed mall and whatever happens, God pulls someone out right in front of her and gets the parking place, you know? When we got into the place, it was no let me hold your hand and, or wanting me to meet everybody because she wanted to show off a new stud because I certainly wasn't that. Just another kid in high school. Now, I'm saying all that to say that when we have a Christian character that's filled with the fullness of God, when we witness, people will have no question about our our motives, that we really love them. We're not there to manipulate them or intimidate them. We don't send a mixed signal that we're all about heaven when we're around church and we speak God, and we're all about earth when we're around earth things, that we really have a good balance of the fullness of Christ. I'll close this this illustration. Some of you, because we live near the water here and we watch the uh, TransPAC come in, there was a famous yachtsman, and some of us that maybe not know a lot about yachtsmen, but there was a man by the name of Michael Plant who loved yachting so much so that he trained himself and honed his skill to take sailboats across the Pacific and he did a lot of ocean voyages so that he would hone his skills. And so finally he had a very special boat made so that he could go from the Atlantic all the way to France. And he wanted to make that in this small boat. So he had designed the boat he had in 1994, the, the, the best that they had in a GPS system. He called the boat the Coyote. And so he notified the people that he was going to go one man across the ocean in this small sailboat called the Coyote. And so he headed out, knew that nothing could go wrong. That GPS was so much connected to a satellite that within just minutes he could send a signal to his punching the numbers in the GPS that would go to a satellite that would go to the land that they would know where he was so they could track him, maybe even rescue him if there was a problem. Four days out to sea when he left the United States, there was no more signal. So they started looking for him. They asked the commercial airline pilots to look for him, passing ships to look for him. They could not find him anywhere. Two weeks had gone by, and sure enough, a boat had come by, and they found the Coyote. The Coyote was completely turned upside down, thus it nullified the effectiveness of the GPS system. So when they were able to get some people to the boat, they wanted to see where is the life preserver, where is a life raft, maybe he got out, maybe there's some hope, and when they went under the, the hull, they found out that the, the lifeboat was half inflated, but it was jammed up under the hull, and their hearts sank because they knew that if the lifeboat was inside the hull of this boat, that... He didn't get out, so he's he's probably lost. And as they did quick inspection of the boat, it was easy to see that the keel, which is a big, steel, heavy piece of metal that goes underneath the boat when it's upright, that gives it its balance, and often almost as much as a sailboat, not quite, but almost as under the water, it's what gives it its stability. Somehow it had broken off, maybe in a storm, maybe hitting a whale, maybe hitting another boat, maybe hitting some sea sewage, or whatever it might have been, but it had broken off, and the boat flipped over right then. And he was lost. And we still don't know where Michael Plant is today, probably at the bottom of the sea. Now, the illustration is this. Sometimes what we don't see in our life, that inner character, the choices that we make on whether or not we'll have a quiet time and be faithful, or whether or not we will breach a relationship of a conversation in the gospel with someone, it's the boldness that God gives us. It's that character that's underneath. And if it gets broken off because we bought into the value system of the world or we think we can get ahead by our own values instead of the biblical truths, we're going to be swamped. And there's going to be no GPS to save us, nobody else out there. And so maybe some of you right now is heading your ship towards something that could break your character. And I don't know. Wherever you are right now, I pray that together, if we could just, like one big... Group hug, holy huddle. Commit that we will be a church of character and it starts by being humble, not being critical of other people's character or the lack thereof. And that we choose to say there is more we can learn. We've studied the traits. We've done this before. we worked with the kids. We went to the seminars. But we want to work a little bit deeper on character. And I pray that we would humble ourselves enough to say that and then experience in God's timing his blessing upon all of us. Well, again, it goes all the way back to if you want character, the embodiment of Christ's character, you have to have Christ in you. And he won't come into you until you trust him as your savior. It says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. To anyone who receives Christ, he becomes a child of God with all that character in Christ. To those who believe on his name. So to have Christ It starts by you placing your faith alone in him. Would you do that? Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, when we talk about character, it's not inappropriate for us to allow the spirit to reveal to us that we have sin. Now some of you might think of a particular sin or something that you know you've done wrong. Others might just feel like you're just kind of like sin sick, we might say. You don't know where that germ is, but you just know you're sick. And don't, don't Don't try to justify it right now Don't try to ignore it right now Don't try to think other thoughts And cover it right now By thinking happy thoughts Or promising God You'll do a lot of good deeds To kind of outweigh that Sin Problem you've got Why don't you just say what it is Let the heavenly doctor say You got it You're a sinner And you're going to die You're terminal with that sin But I want to give to you Eternal life And I'm going to take that sin Off of you And all you've got to do is to come to me and realize that I'm the Savior who died and rose again. And if you'll place your faith alone in me, you can have your sins forgiven. Your guilt is gone. Your fear of the future or the fear of failure is not not there any longer because your future is filled with me and I love you. And as far as failure goes, oh, you might miss a few rounds here on planet Earth. But you're not going to fail of having eternal life in heaven. But you've got to trust in my son for that forgiveness. So maybe say this, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. I know that I don't have the character that you would want me to have. And so I'm coming to you just as I am. And I'm turning to you, Lord. I'm changing my thinking. I now believe that you died and rose again. And I am truly trusting in you. I know it not as a fact. But I have you in my heart and life right now because I'm trusting in you as my Savior. Now, if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you without anyone looking around. If today you're trusting Christ as your Savior, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand, now, not because you trusted Him before, but because you're going to do it now. And you'd like for me to pray for you. It's not by any good works you do. It's not by any good deeds, nothing you join or stop or start. It's coming as you are and letting Christ build His character in you. Is there anyone now that's trusting Christ as their personal Savior today? You'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? Put it up. Put it down. All right, Christians, how many of you would like for me to pray for you that you would like to enter this journey with us? And um, you know that there's going to be some times that you'll be tested, but you'd like to have some prayer on this. And just I just want to know how many want to go on this journey with us. Now, if you don't raise your hand, that's okay. I'm not going to interpret that you don't want to go on the journey here just kind of sorting all this stuff out. You may be the kind of person to say, I don't ever raise my hand. That's fine, too. I love you. It's not about raising your hand. But there are others of you that would like me to know that you are and that you'd like for me to pray for you as you want to redirect your life and allow his character to come out through you. But you need to know how to do that and what character traits need to be focused on. And you'd like me to pray for you. Is there anyone here today... That would slip up your hand and by that hand indicate that you're willing to go on this journey with us and not miss any Sunday. And if you do, you'll grab a hold of a CD or go to our website and pick up that message so you stay with us on this journey. Would you like to have prayer? Would you put up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all? God bless you. God bless you. If, in fact, you think you have it, I praise the Lord for you. Maybe you can get this so you can disciple and mentor your kids and grandkids and other people that you come in contact with. Be a part of this journey. You might now even say, Lord, is there someone that you lay on my heart that needs to be in our church every Sunday? They can go to their own church other times when they meet, etc. But I want them to come under the sound of this teaching. And I know they would be blessed. I know they are struggling with their kids and they want to know how they can teach their kids character building principles. And I, I, I want them to hear this. Bring them to the church, will you? You can get them the CDs, but they're more apt to sit in one place, one time to hear it. Think about it. You pray for them. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that all true character is the embodiment of Christ. And I thank you that you want to bring your character out through us. So it's not us trying to strive and work and plan and figure out and force character into our lives. But it's more about us choosing to know your word, to know you. Choose to yield to your spirit and obey your word. And let you take care of the character that you'll bring out into our life. And we'll celebrate you for that. In
1: Jesus' name. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.